Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Chris Gamble. Welcome, everyone. My name is Chris Gamble. I'm the host of today's episode of the Relational Spirituality Podcast by Larger Story. I'm excited to be joined by my good friends and co-laborers in the kingdom, Tyler Abbott and Talavo Ratsimba Harrison. Did I get that right? Yeah, dude. So Tyler and Talavo are the family and student ministers at our local church here in Savannah, Georgia, called Community Bible Church, which we like to call CBC. They're on staff, and I get to join them pretty much every week on Wednesday night for our high school leaders or our high school student ministries weekly gathering. And so in light of larger story and the the legacy of Larry Crabb looking to reach the next generation and connect with the next generation, I thought these two would be awesome guys to have on the show and pick their brains. So um, welcome, Tyler and Salavo. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be on for asking us to do this. Yeah. So jumping right in. Related to the subject matter, how long have you guys been doing student ministry, each of y'all? And maybe give us a little bit of background on how you got to student ministry and student ministry at CBC. Sure. So I've been at CBC for nine years now. Wow. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. So summer 2014 is when I started always in the student ministry role here, but it's kind of grown and expanded. So currently I'm the family and student pastor. Before that, I was like just a student pastor and jumping in both high school and middle school ministries for a little while. And then we grew. Praise God for that. And then so before that, I was on staff with another ministry called Young Life for three years. Um, so that's kind of how I got to Savannah and CBC specifically. My time with, with Young Life was up and just desired to continue doing student ministry and was connected here with our head pastor and just pretty sweet kind of being here. So involved in student ministry for a little while, not not too long. Yeah, oh. so I I've been in full-time vocational ministry for two years total at CBC. This has been my first full-time at, at a church. And, but before that, I've been, I've been involved with student ministry for a really long time. I mean, ever since I was in high school, I was serving with middle school ministry and at, at, a, at my home church. And then throughout my time at college, I was involved with and leading a, a student ministry at our church while we were away at college and saw so four years there. And then I did 
I, I combined probably about two years of internships or residencies before being here at CBC. And uh, so we were in, we were in Ohio. I was doing residency and my wife, Brittany was doing kids ministry there. And we were looking to get back South closer to my family and uh, randomly found CBC and started listening to sermons and checking out online. And we took a visit and the rest is history. So that's how we found CBC. That's how we got here. Yeah. Well, why did student ministry matter, guys? Why do we even do it? That's a great question. I I feel like it matters because maybe the greater thing is that the Lord has probably called and, and certainly called and commissioned us, right, to go and make disciples. And so I think obviously like that that calling generally for the believer is one thing. I do think that depending on the context, students, high schoolers, teenagers in particular can be overlooked and can maybe fade a little bit to the background. And, and so I think student ministry specifically, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I think depending lately to me, it feels like teenagers are kind of the least of these. And so that's at least for me, why I think it's pretty pivotal and important to kind of pursue students. Yeah, I think student ministry is uh, important and valuable because it's some of the most formational years of, of people's lives, setting a lot of foundations for their worldview. I mean, how they're going to have their perspective on the world as they are beginning to step into the real world. And so I think, yeah, it's just such an important time in their lives. And so I think it's important that we you know, have specific ministry to where they're at, um, mm -hmm. in their life. And so, and, and on top of that, I think parenting is becoming increasingly harder and more difficult just with the world that we're in. And so I think student ministry matters in the way of, I think there's, there's extra support and, and help needed with other adults and students' lives. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. Am I remembering correctly that all three of us really took our faith or even met the Lord for the first time in high school? We took our faith seriously or met the Lord for the first time in high school. Was that, was that true for you, Talavo? Yeah, absolutely. Summer, probably around sophomore year was when I kind of looked around at some some men, some leaders that kind of poured into me and was like, I need to figure out how to my life to how, how can my life look like theirs? And that's really when I was like, I need to, what does this look like to, to be a Christian, you know? Yeah. Same, same for me. It was a late freshman year of high school for me when I would say I started to take my faith seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mine was at like a, retreat leaders retreat wasn't even a christian but was trying to go to this thing with my church and that the, the high school ministry between eighth and, and ninth grade so going into high school 
And I'm sure I'm speaking for myself, but maybe all of us, it's because of the impact that these youth ministries had on us that it matters to us to try to give back. Yeah. And, you know, I think of that verse, I think it's Matthew eight or 10 that says freely received, freely give. Yeah. So, well, kind of, I hope to do a little bit of an interview conversationally here with you guys. So I sent you all some questions. We may not get through them all, but jumping right in, what would you say is the greatest impediment or one of the greatest impediments to that next generation's walk with Christ in today's culture? I'll go ahead and bring up the elephant in the room. You can't talk about the next generation without talking about technology and, mm -hmm. and media and kind of a roundabout way of answering that question. Cause I wouldn't say it's, it can be one of the greatest impediments on the next generation's walk with Christ. But you know, it, it, I, I think technology gets a bad rap that there, it, it is a tool that can be used really, really well. I've seen, I've seen the Bible app and the Bible project and, and all of those kind of things through using technology and, and media really help students in their faith. But I've also seen a lot of really negative effects as well. I mean, you know, we can talk all day about the ways that it affects their attention span, the way that it gives them access to a lot of just bad content and, and things that are going to lead them away from Christ. And so mm -hmm. uh, I think it can be a big impediment and, and not to mention that the time that it, that it takes, it's such a time sucker and distraction for, and that, this is beyond even just students. You know, I think even just, we are, are still navigating, Hey, how can we use this tool that, that we have in all of our hands? to be a tool that we're using and it's not using us. And so I think when students or really anybody for that matter ha have, have not been taught or have not thought deeply about how can I use technology? How can I use media as a tool that helps me? It, it can be a massive impediment on, on one's faith. So yeah, it, it, it gets a bad rap. I, I would say it's one of, it can be one of the greatest impediments on the next generation's walk with Christ. But I think there's hope there of if we learn and teach and grow in our ability to use technology in a wise manner, that it could actually become a great asset to our faith. It's good. My answer is kind of the same. It's funny. It's been on my brain for a little while. We, the three of us all went on a retreat with our high school students this last weekend. And Tyler led this breakout on how to read scripture. And Tyler said something about how we need to kind of thoughtfully read the Bible and engage with it. And, and that kind of set my brain going a little bit on just, I, I think probably one of the bigger obstacles kind of going off what Tyler said, honestly, was just 
how we, especially teenagers, have allowed the this like age and social media to define what like engagement is, and especially as it relates to like reading scripture, much less like anything of length, you know. And so I, I really feel like that's been on my mind as far as one of the bigger like obstacles in the way of, of teenagers right now, I think is the idea that liking or sharing or reposting something is the same as thoughtfully engaging with it and thoughtfully mm-hmm. like wrestling or reflecting on something. And I think that's the, yeah, I mean, obviously biblical literacy or illiteracy, right? Hand in hand with that. But the idea of like, man, do we, can we engage with something longer than a hundred and whatever, 60 characters? And, and what does it mean to thoughtfully process a text? Especially, I mean, obviously the Bible, you know? And, and so I think that's, yeah, I, I think this age has kind of redefined what engagement is. And I think we're settling for, I think students are settling for something that's not at all like thoughtful engagement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about maybe, maybe this is an overstatement, but I feel like in some ways technology can make us shallower people generations prior when you had to read a book, you had to actually sit and spend a lot of time in order to get information. Whereas now you can get little bite-sized snippets of anything and, and, and you're, you know, you're getting those hits. So yeah, I, I think I think it's a it's a challenge to push students to read not only scripture, but like you said, to love anything thoughtfully and with time and with care to really chew on and, and really think about what you're reading. Because this even goes beyond technology of even when, you know, the way that we read in, in school or, or or the way that they are reading in school is they have to read a lot you know, a, a lot of content in, in a little amount of time. And so we're just training, you know, we're training our brains to not be able to like th- sit mm-hmm. with something thoughtfully. So, yeah. So do you think the answer is not technology or even the sort of headline is not technology is bad. Rather, it's a tool, like you said, Tyler, and maybe morally agnostic in a sense. And it's more a matter of how much of it and what type of it are we consuming and having the right balance on that. And maybe even the perspective on what we're consuming, sort of the worldview. Salava, you talked about back in the Daniel series on Wednesday nights. Sort of what filter are we looking at what we're consuming this with and then making sure so as to not stop at the point of technology in your spiritual study but take it to the level of opening your bible sitting with it and meditating on it yeah yeah chris i'm I'm glad that you brought up considering the content that we are 
consuming. Because to, to my point earlier of why student ministry is so important is because it's so formational. And, and again, once where, where you weren't really experiencing the world until you like got to college, technology has, 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 has drastically cut the time uh, that a student has to be formed and shaped early on before experiencing the world. Right, like they're experiencing the world and the thoughts of the world much, much earlier through media than they ever have been, and and so if we, you know, if we're not, if if we're they're being exposed to other worldviews and other thoughts before they're being shaped and formed early on in their life, if that makes sense. Great point. Well, kind of on the flip side. What would you guys say you have seen as an effective means for or method for reaching the students, the next generation, either as the church or ministry of the church or just as a person, like a disciple maker? Feel free to speak to either of those. Yeah. I I feel like this is like not profound. And sometimes it, it sometimes is like, Oh, wow. I never thought of that. But you know, to me, I think the model has always been incarnational life on life ministry. You know, I think, yeah, a a commitment to like building authentic relationships with students is I think the model that Jesus has given us, you know, and I think that's the relationships are, are where, like all the things that we are trying to teach out loud is like actually lived out and modeled and really impressed into students, you know? So that, I mean, that's the, for me, like the model, it is a commitment to just incarnational let's, and it's slow, you know, but that's, I think the model, and I I share this all the time, Philippians 317, you know, Paul says, join and imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And, and that, I think, is just what I hope we tell students and want to keep putting in front of them is, is you know, keep your eyes on people and, and live amongst them and walk alongside people who are doing their best to follow Jesus. You know, and so that outside of like, I don't know, we can we can nitpick communication style or all that stuff. I just it's like students wants to be known and and belong and i I think that's the yeah that that, i think that's the model that jesus has given us to do not just student ministry but i think discipleship obviously across the board could you touch on that with some maybe practical examples like are you saying that Wednesday night leading a group of 10th graders sort of checks that box and or is that maybe one way to do it leading question here obviously yeah Um, share more I think it's a start I I had someone told me a while back and I've always remembered this discipleship is not a meeting and so yes we have 
the formality and the consistency of, hey, Wednesday nights, we're going to be here and then we're going to do groups and we'll repeat that process. But understanding that that's only a part of the process. And so I think, yes, being present with students and knowing that they can count on you to show up also in a group is a part of that. But then also, and I, that's why it's slow. As you start building authentic relationships with students, the idea of, hey, why don't you see the rest of my life? And it might not be this like, you know, straightforward, hey, Chris, I want you to come and see the rest of my life, right? But, but A, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Would love to grab a meal. You know, the, the idea of discipleship being like, hey, come with me and just watch how I live. And, and not every time we talk is going to be this like lesson, right, on discipleship. But I think, you know, the expression more is caught than taught. I mean, that is important. And the idea of now, if, if even one student can see you just live like a Christian outside of maybe the context that they think is that, that's where you only can be a Christian is at church. That's where discipleship, I think really deepens. And so, you know, there are guys in my life that they, they know how I interact with my kids and my wife and I watch sports with them. They just little things of like, Oh, that's, that is how, not perfectly right but that's but the life of a christian is this kind of walk this life of worship across the board not just this hour we have on a wednesday night so hopefully that i mean made more sense to you but that's yeah great yeah tyler anything yeah you want to add yeah let me tag on to that because i guess like the last question me and t are thinking the same way i, I put Kind of, I mean, incarnational ministry, I put one-on-one connection, one-on-one discipleship, or even just like one-on-two, just small, intentional discipleship relationships. I've just, I've seen this be most effective in my walk, that it wasn't the programs and, and events and stuff that I went to and was involved in that really shaped me. It was it was those one-on-one discipleship relationships that I had with guys that were, you know, five, six, seven years ahead of me that were following Jesus and would meet with me, you know, either every week or every other week for a meal and to talk about a book together and to actually, you know, you know, like read a chapter and then talk about it together. And... Uh, and that became a place that I could share other things going on in my life and how I could grow in that. And so, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen that be really effective in 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 the way that people have discipled me. But I've also seen it be the most effective way to disciple students and in, in my own ministry. Of, I mean, the 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 students that I've seen the most growth and the most change in were the ones that I was like meeting with regularly. And, and, you know, and to Talawa's point, it's not always a meeting, but it's, it's even just showing up in their life. I mean, students, you know, it's been said that students can just smell through fake 
really easily. And I think a lot of students want to know that you care about them as a person before just as somebody who's trying to disciple them, if that makes sense. Like, do you actually care about me as a person or you yeah. do you just want, am I just your project that you are trying to make me into something? And I, and I think when you enter into their spaces or even just when you are meeting outside of the church building, they start to see that way more, right? Like, it's not just like, oh, you just show up here on Sunday and expect me to come to you for you to tell me how to live my life, but rather, mm-hmm. oh, you're coming to me, you're showing up at my sports you know, game, you're showing up at my recital, like, wow, you actually are taking time, to, like you care about me. And you just be surprised at, at the, the, converse, the doors and opportunities that open when students start to understand that you actually do care about them as a person and not just a, not just a project that you're, that you're working on. So yeah, showing up in students' lives. And that's a challenge. I mean, discipleship is costly. It, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it's hard to balance, right? Like it's, you, you won't be able to do that for every student. And so that's why, you know, me and T have talked about this. I'm so grateful that we have incredible teams of leaders because we can't disciple all of these kids in that way. And so yeah, that's why we're there. Show up in, in kids' lives and and show them that we care. And I think I don't know if it was John Maxwell or somebody. The you know the famous phrase that they don't people won't care like what you know until they know how much you care. I think is just so true in student ministry. So yeah, a little bit of a similar question that could be a little loaded, but hopefully not is. Where have we seen maybe the church get this right and maybe the church missed the mark, if at all? I'm not coming in with any preconceived notions of that, but maybe for anybody out there listening that's a pastor or or whatnot, for whatever it's worth, if we have any thoughts on that. Yeah, that was a good question. I... I, I think where we have got it right and and maybe a strength, the first thing that came to my mind was honestly, this like there's this very earnest desire and like intensity that I think the church has in in wanting to reach students. Right. I think the posture really is like, what do we have to do? And and I feel like that is that is a yeah, it's just earnest and intense and, and really genuine, you know, literally like, do we have to build a building? Do we like, what do we have to do to get students to get in front of teenagers or, you know, middle schoolers or whatever? And I think that, I mean, honestly is incredible. And I, 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 I sense that all over the place. I do feel like kind of in reflection and, and even, you know, before I jumped into ministry church, I was a parachurch guy, and I, I, I think, and a lot of this is from my experience being here, you know, for at CBC. I think maybe where we have gotten it wrong or, or tend to maybe stumble, I think, is 
I, I think sometimes we are not willing to ask different questions mm -hmm. or, or an unwillingness, I think. I don't know, change the playbook, if that makes sense. There's like, there are things that are sacred and then there are things that we made sacred that aren't and shouldn't be and then become obstacles. And, and so I, I do think for me, I, I think where an opportunity to put it like that, right? Where we can grow, I think is, I think we have to commit to the slow, long-term just ministry and like impact on students. And as opposed to, yeah, this is a trap, isn't it? But as opposed to like, how do we make a splash? I think it's important to have a really clear understanding amongst your like pastoral staff and just team of this is what we're trying to do and and maybe redefining some some of the things we measure and 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 moving things up the list of like man how do we impact students versus how do we attract more oh yeah i i think that's that's one and honestly I have another one. I and this is like maybe my failing in, in different seasons, but I do think sometimes this might sound harsh. There is an unwillingness to live in reality mm -hmm. and and meet students where they are, not where we think they ought to be. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the unwillingness to change some of our methods. Because, well, there isn't every high school kid this, you know what I mean? And I think, like, just the flexibility, I, I think we need to continue to grow in knowing where exactly our students and our context are and then being willing to be flexible with, okay, this is, in this season, the best method, the best way for us to disciple them. And, and yeah, I, you know, if it's the Bible's true and we think it is, right, that it's like, God gives the growth. And so maybe those resources that we're willing to just, man, what do we need? You know, is actually, yeah, we need to, we need to figure out how best to plant and water and, and, and let the Lord maybe handle the growth and the results, whether it's numerically or whatever. I think that's, yeah, I'll, I'll stop. I'll, I'll let Tyler go, but that's, that's a lot where my brain goes when I, when I think about this. Yeah, no, those are, they're good thoughts T. And, and once, once again, thinking very similar here, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about the, the, the pendulum swinging from one end to the other, because where it used to be that, you know, the, the church is super judgmental and you're not allowed to be here if you're a sinner and we've swung i think we have very much swung towards the other side of the pendulum of we we are trying to create this fun environment where everybody can just come and belong and you're welcome and you're here inside so we've, we've done that i think really well i think i think even like at our student ministry that we have here is like a, a new student can walk in and feel pretty like welcome and so I, I think we've done that 
we've done that well. But I think like what T, what you're saying is like taking it to that next, what does it look like to not just get them there, but to impact them, to plant and to water. I think another place, and it's a similar vein here, but another place I think we've missed the mark is not even just making an impact on them, but helping them connect into the life of the church. Yeah. I think we've missed the mark in some ways by almost creating like, uh, there's church and then there's like a youth church. There's like CBC adult church over here. And then there's, there's, there's the student church and it's almost, and it really can be, and I'm, I use CBC as an example. I, I, I feel like we do that fairly well, but it has been a place I think that in, in recent past that, that we've missed the mark yeah. in student ministry is not connecting students to the church that, and, and we're missing multi-generational ministry there because we're in this mm-hmm. like silo over here where mm-hmm. we're trying to reach students but really we're acting almost like a parachurch ministry we're re- you know reaching students but like we're not connecting them to the church and and i think that's i think that can be really dangerous because you know students can fall in love with a really fun and inviting and welcoming student ministry where they can hang out with their friends and play some games and, and even talk about faith things like that, you know, they can fall in love with student ministry, but if they don't fall in love with Jesus and his bride, the church, then what's going to happen when they get out of high school and there's no longer student ministry. Do they, do they know how to live in faith community outside of just what student ministry looks like? And so I think that's a that's a place that we've missed the mark. But I do think that we've 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 done well at welcoming and inviting in students into into student ministries. So I like I liked what you said to Lavo, having a passion for re- reaching the students, sort of creating seeing the need is is a place that, that you know when churches are doing that is the starting place yeah. is to is see the need to reach those guys. And I liked also what you said when you said a meeting is not discipleship. I think that's a place where we can stop or it can be easy to sort of stop and say, did my job, showed up Wednesday, good to go. Or yeah. offer, we offered the Wednesday program, good to go. And I love that CBC to what you said, Tyler, earlier has has a program has the meeting and then says we value our other adults to get you know smaller ratio of adult to student life on life opportunity through bringing the adults to lead grade level groups so i and the thought came to mind where we can get it wrong. I feel like this is something that I'm learning just only recently over the, the last few months is, and I think you touched on it, Salavo, is assuming we know where the students are at and without really in their spiritual walk, without really being intentional to uncover that, I think it can be easy to assume that if we run the same sort of programming 
of, you know, worship talk, worship. And for the most part, these guys are all committed believers and they know what it means to be that. Maybe we miss the folks that aren't really sure what it means to be that. And I was just getting together this past weekend with a student that grew up, has grown up in the church and goes to a Christian Catholic school and said, I don't even know what makes a, like a real Christian, what makes a legit Christian and which was an, a great opportunity to dive into that. Yeah. But I think sometimes they think because I go to church, then I'm a Christian or because my family is, then I'm a Christian or because I say that I am, then I'm a Christian. But what does it actually mean to live it? So, yeah. well, related to that context, which is kind of where students are formed, Maybe for parents of young adults listening, what would you say parents could do to best love their kids? Or what are some I what are some ways that you've seen parents sort of best loving their kids along on their spiritual journeys? And again, maybe where's a place that could be a, a hang up or could again impede their young adult or their youth mm -hmm. from going, growing in their spiritual journey. Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, being the parenting expert that I am with no kids of my own yet, I will pay you back off of what you said just a minute ago, Chris, of just like what it means to be a Christian. That student that you were meeting with was like, yeah, I don't even really know, you know, and like you said, grew up in Christian home, Christian Catholic school and, and all those things. I think at least what I've, what I've noticed and what I, what I think I'm seeing in, in the lives of the students that we're interacting with and, and ministering to is that, that nominal, like nominal Christians raise nominal Christians. That if, if, if the parents idea of what Christianity is, is we're going to be nice people and go to church on Sundays when we're in town, then that's exactly the type of Christian that their student will, or their kid will likely become. And so, I, yeah, just even as I, when we look at our students, I just can, you can tell a massive difference between the students who are being discipled intentionally by their parents and the ones that are not that are just showing up and sending their kid here to us right like th there's just there's just a massive difference between them not just in their faith but even just their ability to talk about things about the faith and and, and understand some things that we're reading and talking about in scripture so i think to that i think one of the greatest this kind of falls in line with what I tell a lot of our leaders is that I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your students or, or parents to your kids is your own growing 
and flourishing walk with Christ? Are, are, are you pursuing the Lord? Are you, are you reading scripture regularly and praying? And then to follow up with that is like, do your, do your kids see you doing those things? Do they know that you are pursuing the Lord? Do, do they see that you're involved in a faith community beyond just attending a church on Sunday and then leaving really quick, not talking to anybody, right? Like, like, are, are you, what is, what is your walk with Christ like right now? And what is that communicating to your, your kid? Yeah. So I just, I see kind of the, the difference with the students that we're interacting with, but even just like personally, you know, me and me and my wife, Brittany have, have had multiple conversations about how like growing up and this is not a knock on her, her, her parents or anything, but she's like, I can't remember ever even seeing them open a Bible other than when we were at church. I can't tell you where a Bible was in our house. And like, yeah, we prayed before meals and went to church on Sundays, but like, I never knew the importance of like really engaging with scripture on my own regularly until I like got to college and, and kind of to flip, like I, me growing up, I saw my parents reading scripture and, and praying and they would kind of invite us into that sometimes. And, and, and so we, we saw it and I became comfortable and, and around it, knew what they were doing and. So that was what I was seeing of what it means to be a Christian. So yeah, I think just, yeah, they're, they're watching kids, kids and students are watching how you follow Jesus. It's good. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree. I think for me, maybe one of the best ways that we've seen and, and just parents kind of spur on their students I, for me is like, yeah, doing the best you can to follow Jesus in front of them. And like authentically, I mean, Tyler said it, I, this is absolutely true. High school kids in particular just can smell hypocrisy and, and they know, you know, if this is generally right, they know what is like authentic and what is maybe an act. And I, yeah, I, for me, I think it's doing your best to follow Jesus and extending them the same amount of grace that maybe you'd extend yourself with their own sin and failure as hopefully Christians, you know? Yeah. I, it's, I think it's, you know, I have two, I have an eight year old and a five year old and, and there's a level of just like, yeah, it's, it's a daunting thing because I think, I get the pressure of, man, I got to have it all together and I have to like perfectly like disciple and, 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 and live like Jesus perfectly in my house. But I think it's, it is like Tyler said, like discipling your kids. And yeah, for me, it's, it's, I, I wrote down when I thought of this, like, and I think it's being willing to say me too when when confronted with sin in your teenager's life obviously there is like discipline and discipleship and and correction but like hey me too you know and i'm trying to follow jesus and here is here's what i'm doing 
in my life. And here, I think that is, I think it's, it's so, and in my role, I'm growing more aware of, you know, family discipleship. It's just awkward. Right. And, but I think a, a willingness to not just model out like in front of you and not like planting a Bible in the kitchen or something. Right. But to like out loud share, this is, this is how God's moving in my life right now. Hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, we should pray for that. Just an everyday Christianity lived in front of them and, and giving them this motto of like, oh, okay, that's hopefully I'm seeing that at church. I'm seeing that in my leaders and I'm seeing that in my parents and, and, and following Jesus is this process of like growth and, and in grace. And I, I think freedom, I think giving your kids freedom to ask questions and and then being okay, like I don't know, let let's figure that out. You know, I, I think the bigger, the like opposite of that, and 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 maybe how I've seen and 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 maybe my own parenting, I've seen parents like put an obstacle in front of their in front of their their child is, yeah, I I think not. Right, is the opposite, and it's not doing that. And I think it's a only. I think it's, it's don't compartmentalize your faith as a parent and, and don't unintentionally model for them that, well, you're only a Christian when you go to youth group on Wednesday nights and at church on Sunday nights, like Tyler said that too, you know? And so I, I do think it's, it's, it's a matter of moving towards them as you would just doing ministry to anybody. I think that's even... I talked about reality, living in reality, and I think it's it's not unloving to try and figure out where your teenager is with Jesus. And and it's not unloving to be like, oh man, I'm not sure they're a Christian. And so, okay, great. I'm I'm gonna share the gospel in, in my parenting, you know, and that's the that's where I think. Don't just, well, let me just send them to like the experts on, on Wednesday night and, and they'll, they'll like get that right for me. And, 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 you know, yeah, I think, I think that students, I know that, you know, and, and I think we're sending them up, maybe not the best, we're not modeling what it means to be a Christian. If we're just like, well, that's for only for these spaces, being a Christian is only for these spaces, you know? Yeah, and, and if if I can just add, if if any kind of if any parent is is listening to this right now, you need to know that two two things that you you will be one of, if not the greatest impact on your kids' faith, the way that you live out your faith and, and disciple them. However, you can't do it on your own. Like there, it is it is a both and that you need. A faith community around you that is pouring into your student yeah. alongside of you that that you know if if you try to go at this uh, that's just not the way that God designed it it is not he didn't design it just for you to be the only person pouring into your student, but you need whether it's the people you know the other adults in your community small group 
that, that maybe meet with your student, or maybe it's, or maybe it is the student ministry, you know, leaders that, that they're involved with, but yeah, you, you, you can't go at this alone. That, that's why we, you know, me and Slava have had many conversations about, Hey, how can we, you know, we, we say we want to partner with parents and discipling students. How can we best partner with them is the question for us. Yeah, that's great. I was going to jump in and, and also add if a parent or even a student is listening to this and they're kind of like, you know what, that nominal Christian sort of category resonates with me as I look at what we're doing or the way I feel about my faith. How does one move out of nominal into faithful, you know, legitimate or how does that happen? Yeah. That's, that's a great question. Slowly. I've, you know? Yeah. I that's a great question. I, I think this is and it's it's just true. I think it's reading your Bible and I think it's doing your best to do what the Bible says. <laughs> and it's like and then and then watch God show up in, in the midst of your obedience, you know. So I I definitely think that's that's one and and really maybe I'm just on this a ton of my brain space is just there, but I, I do think it's we're to live out our faith in every area of our lives. And so maybe a step away from like nominal Christianity, like is is probably inviting the Lord into the rest of your life. And then just simply doing that, right? Not just, yeah, this is for a couple hours, hour and a half on Sunday, God, I'm I'm all yours, you know? And then if I'm a high schooler, then if I go to youth group, you can have me there too and at camp. But I, I think it's when we kind of break that category and just like, all right, I'm, I'm called to to obey and like trust the Lord with like all of my life, not just these like this like very defined like space. But yeah, that, that's maybe my immediate answer. How do, how do we get out of that? I think is if you love me, you obey my commandments. You know, I, it's like it's just a simple. All right, what does God say about this? And and maybe together as a family, that's where I think it's you know super impactful. Hey, let's let's like work on this, and I'll, I'll memorize that with you, you know, and and let's let's try and pursue this together as a family, you know. And maybe if yeah. you're not loving Him. No, if you're not obeying his commandments, maybe it's a like a check. How much do I really love him or know his commandments? Um, but in, in, in also just on the conversation, more good deeds don't prove we're saved, right? They don't save us. And so it's got to be an overflow of that love. You got to like, you know what? Jesus saved my soul and I am no longer 
mine, but his. And I want to do his will, but not mine. At least try to. And it's out of my love for him, for what he did for me, that I'm going to try to be obedient. Yeah. But not that the obedience validates yeah. that I am. And so families don't do more. We're all right. We're doing more Bible studies. We're more right. doing more, you know, serving. And why is it a really Southern person doing that? I'm not sure. <laughs> since I guess we're in the Bible belt, but Tyler, you're going to say something. Yeah, I just, uh, T, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Of, of, I think that's a great way of putting it is that nominal Christian is like this. It's like my, my faith is car- compartmentalized and, but that, taking a step in and becoming more than nominal Christian is inviting God into all of your life. Right. We've, we've talked about with our students a little bit. I think there definitely is a difference between like, like being a Christian and following Jesus. They're like being a Christian is almost just like, what is the bare minimum I have to like do or believe in order to like get to heaven? And so, okay, is it is a church attendance? I'll show up on Sunday. Do I have to just be a nice person? Okay, I, I can I can be a nice person other than, you know, on the sports field or court or whatever, right? But following Jesus affects every area of your life, right? Like that that we aren't that we aren't just saying I believe, but I want to become like you. I want to join you in what you're doing and reconciling the world to yourself. That it's not just okay, I'll take what you have to offer and then I'm going to go live my life. But it's how can I live my life for God's glory? How, how can I live my life in a way where I'm becoming like him? That, that more of me is dying away and being being crucified and, and Christ is being formed in me, in, in my life and in my character. And so I guess I would just I would just challenge them with that kind of category of, Hey, are, are you just like taking what God has to offer you or are you following him and saying, what, what is, what is your will? What do you want for me? What do you, you know, how should I live in the way that's most glorifying to you in this area of my life, in this area of my life and in every area of my life. And as we surrender more domains of our, of our life to him and he exposes the ways that we're missing the mark. Hmm then our response according to what he tells us to do is repent which means to go a different direction to change our mind and so i think also talking about going from nominal to legitimate is we can't i don't want to miss the word repentance and changing our direction i think too like for parents as well I, i just thought of this i think also taking a genuine interest in your students' relationship with the Lord, right? I I think, like, the three of us shouldn't be the only one asking, you know, a a high schooler, hey, what are you learning? You know, what's the Lord teaching you? What what are you struggling? Where's God showing up? And I think even, even that step towards as simple as, like, hey, what did y'all talk about last night at youth group? you know, and Hey, how, what do you think? You know, like, I, I think just, just even that, I think certainly 
you know, communicates a ton to teenagers like, oh, okay, this is, it's not just the church people asking me about what I've been reading in scripture or what I think about Jesus or the gospel. It's my parents are taking it a real interest, the same way that we would ask, you know, how to practice go, how'd that game go, you know, and, and even what, what value do we put? And I'm all, am I only asking how are your grades? Grades good? Okay, good. Versus like, hey, where, where's God showing up in your life? Where isn't he? Where can we pray? You know, I, I think that really would absolutely like spur on your student. Well, we're coming up here on our time. We definitely had, one, a great conversation, and two, more questions that I've sent you all that we could get into. I guess I, I'll offer a conclusion with this. Is, is there anything either in one of those questions or just kind of through our time that you think worth is worth sharing? That maybe we didn't get to. I think maybe maybe two two thoughts for me, and and this is jumping in on what Talaba was just sharing about. I think I think the way I would say it is that I think another way that parents can can take their discipleship of their students seriously is by not only asking them, but really listening, like really listening to what like where they're, where they're at without trying to solve the problem for them. This is something I've had to learn in marriage that sometimes my wife just wants her, like wants me to listen to her without trying to solve the the problem for her. And, and I think, I think for some students that probably is very true of their relationship with their parents is maybe you told them a lot about what they should be doing but do you really understand where they're at, what they're experiencing, how they're doing with what they're experiencing? Like, have you, have you empathized with what's going on in their life, how they're feeling and where they're at? So yeah, I, I would just add that. Be a good listener and ask really good questions. I think that's a big part of what I'm trying to learn in my discipleship of students is how can I ask better questions? And, and how can I, how can I listen better? The students feel heard and, and understood furthermore. So, so I wanted to add that. And then I think talking about, you know, you asked earlier practical examples of that, that incarnational ministry of being involved with in a student's life and discipleship, not just being about a meeting or a program, but about being together. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't share, I think one of the main ways that I've been able to do that, especially recently, is literally by by one of my favorite hobbies of playing disc golf. And I've I've invited time and time and time and time and time again. Basically, anytime I go out, I'm trying to think about who should I be inviting out to play with me? Because it's a time that that I get to just talk and listen to students. Hey, what's going on in your life? What, you know? what's what's what have you been liking about school or your sport or whatever like listening to what's going on in their life and sometimes there's like no spiritual conversations and then sometimes there's like 
one, you know, maybe a few minutes of a spiritual conversation. And, and that's, and that's great, right? Like part of, part of the battle of discipleship is being present and showing them that you care and want to listen to them. And then some of those spiritual conversations come up just naturally from just being with them. And so, so I would just challenge anybody listening to this, who's trying to disciple a student, whether it's their kid or some other student is kind of like T mentioned this earlier, but just invite them in to like what you're doing, you know, whether it's going to them and, and, and being involved in their life, but also inviting them into, to your spaces, pickleball or disc golf or whatever you do, invite students in and just do it with them and, and show them that you want them involved in, in your life as well. <clears throat> so it's, it, it's a two way street. We want to be there and we want to invite them in on our life too. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't cover a lot, but we did. There's a few. I one of the things you wanted to hear, maybe Chris, was some lessons from like our time in ministry, and then also I had the same answer for that, and maybe how we'd encourage leaders pursuing students in ministry, and and probably parents. I think for me, one of the bigger lessons that maybe I wish I'd learned earlier, honestly, is like, you know, that, that we are not the hero in this. I think it's to not make ourselves the hero. And what I would say to, I mean, our leaders and, and maybe parents and anyone pursuing teenagers is that it is not our responsibility to make anyone trust Jesus. It's so, I mean, it's such a weird, like what, you know, I, but it's, it's, it's the idea of like, well, that's, that is Jesus. That is a work of God and the Holy spirit. And so like our responsibility is to be faithful and, and kind of do our best with what the Lord has like put in front of us. And, and I think that probably just across the board, I mean, pastoral leaders, parents, like volunteers of just, hey, Jesus is the hero and he's the one that saves. And what we do is our best to like follow him, you know, don't neglect your own walk with the Lord and and, and try to to work out of the overflow. But but really it's like, all right, let's just be faithful to like show up and tell students the truth. And then, and then be there, you know, and, and, and regardless of their response to the gospel or response to whatever truth they're telling them, like, great, I'm still here. You know what I mean? I think that's like just a super freeing type thing. And Jesus is the one that said, Hey, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the reality of like, yeah, we're not our programs and our camps are not, we're not saving anybody, you know, apart from Jesus. And so I think that hopefully is a, is a more of a encouragement and like, oh yeah, let's like rest in, in that, in the work of Christ. And so we can like freely, all right, how do we move towards students and how do we just constantly keep just bringing them to Jesus and like, Hey, here, this is what's true, you know, and invite them to respond to that. Awesome. Well, yeah, time flew. 
like you alluded to. I really enjoyed it, guys, and am just honored to get to journey with you in influencing the lives of our students and so thankful for you guys taking a little bit of time out of your day to join me and share some of what you've learned with our audience. Thanks for having us, Chris. Yeah. Well, much love, gents, and we'll catch you guys this Wednesday. Yeah. Sounds good. Bye, if you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.